Hey, what's going on, everybody? Episode 178 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. This week, we just got me, Nick, and uh, my cousin Frank in the studio. Tom's got some uh, farm work we had to do to, you know, prepare for season. So he gets a pass this week. Had to use a sick day, but that's all right. Uh, This week, we're bringing Frank to talk a little bit more about his traditional archery venture this year. He's been shooting every single day, and, you know, we're kind of just going through, you know, how he's progressing, some of the troubles he's run into, and, you know, plans for the rest of the year as we get closer to the season because we know it's going to sneak up on us. But uh, it's a really informative episode if it's something that you're interested in doing this year. Um, Now's the time to get started. So we hope you really enjoy this episode and maybe it'll spark some interest in getting you into our uh, traditional archery this year. Um, So without further ado, let's get tuned into this week's episode. So I did the cardinal sin. I pull up my bow and then I look dead at his antlers. I got out of the truck and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska, moose, spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode with me and Nick tonight. Tom's not here. He's out mowing. Yeah, he's got work to do, so I guess we'll we'll give him a pass. Yeah. He's running out of sick days already. He is, too. But, hey, I used one last week, so it's all right. Yeah. That was a fun episode with Trevor, getting him on and yeah, discussing bet. some his first turkey hunts and some... I think we talked about his first buck as well, which is fun. Yeah. So He's good, dude. Yeah. Good time. Speaking of deer hunting... Uh, We've talked about it briefly, you know, in the past couple months or so, but you've been practicing making the switch over to traditional archery. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about um, your bow and everything, but you've been shooting quite a bit, getting better. And I just, if you, if somebody was interested in getting in traditional archery, I think the time is now to start practicing. Like people should be shooting their bows anyway, especially with how nice it is. Yeah. But especially if you're going to be getting into tra- traditional archery, you need to be shooting now. Like you can't be waiting until September to, yeah. you know, dust off the old stick and string. Yes, that's that. You definitely want to be way into it already, especially like you said, if you're just getting into it, you want to be way into it. And even people that have been doing it for a long time, that's one of those things that you have to do it all the time. It's not like your compound, and not to say that your compound's easier to shoot per se. I mean, it is. I, I but, think arguably you could easily say that it's easier. But it's easier to pick it up and, you know, get your knock points, your your anchor points, and settle in. Within and, a few days, I'm shooting darts. Exactly. And even if you're someone that's shot a recurve before, like I've talked to other people that have shot, and they say, like, if I'm not shooting every day then they start to lose it. Like if they shoot twice a week, it's they can feel that and see it and especially feel it because you it's a totally different kind of strength is something that I've really noticed. 
pulling no, that. What do you mean by like a different, like like different muscles, or what do you? It's getting the at? same muscles, but like pulling. I've always pulled a seventy pound bow, mm-hmm. and my recurve is a fifty pound bow at my draw length, and it is. So how does that work? So like the longer your draw length, the longer. Or like the heavier the bow will be at your full draw. Is that what that is? Yeah. Like when you buy a bow, they're rated like a 50 pound bow, 45 pound bow, a 70 pound bow. They're rated at 28 inches. Okay. And I happen to have a 28 inch draw. So my bow is a 50 pound bow. So my draw is 50 pounds. So if you say if, somebody say like you me, have a longer draw. Yeah. If I you shoot were to 29 pull, and a half. Yeah. If you were to pull my bow and I, they say that... Most bows are around like three pounds an inch, so like and they're they're safe to pull yeah. further like that. Oh okay. yeah, yep. Because mm-hmm. I you know like Tom shoots, I think like a thirty-one inch draw. Like he, Tom's got some arms. Yeah, yeah. He could draw my bow. It's just going to get heavier and heavier. The farther you pull it back, the heavier it's going to get. So he's going to be shooting like sixty-two pounds. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. So, and you don't have the lead off. It, it when you pull that back, you are feeling all of that weight and pulling that 50 pound bow feels so much heavier. Even like if I half draw my compound and get to where it peaks at 70 pounds, just, it doesn't feel as Mm -hmm. heavy as my recurve. And then you don't have the let off. You're holding that full 50 pounds and I don't hold I'm I snap shoot. So I, st- I don't feel it the whole time, but still pulling back that 50 pounds and it doesn't let off. So when you get back to your anchor point, you're holding that full weight. And it's very, very, very different getting on target, staying on target when you're holding that full weight rather than getting 80% let off. And now you're only holding 15, 20 pounds. So do you notice that you tire quicker when you're shooting your comp or I mean shooting a traditional bow? Uh, yeah. And that, that's like the biggest obstacle at first for me with getting consistent. And I was getting kind of frustrated at first. Like I feel like I should be progressing faster as far as my groups go and like shooting more consistently. Mm -hmm. But the biggest barrier to that is having the strength to pull your bow back consistently get to your anchor point consistently because it's not like you with a compound your cams are set to your draw yeah you can't pull it farther so if you're pulling a little bit further or a little bit less you're adding or taking away poundage which is going to affect your arrow flight yeah so when i first started i was weaker obviously i hadn't Mm -hmm. i wasn't used to pulling that bow back i wasn't getting all the way back to my 28 inch draw and getting to my anchor points every time. And it just was a matter of building the strength and muscle memory of getting to that anchor point every time. So have you noticed, um, like your form being a lot more important because like with a compound, you know, especially like you have that IQ site. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, your peep site that you're looking through, you have a level on your site, you have the retina lock. Yeah. So like you've got, and then your anchor point because you're holding instead of just snap shooting, mm-hmm. there's several anchors that you can lock into, you know, that, okay, my form's good. Mm-hmm. So what kind of challenges are you running into with, you know, no site, no level, you know, no retina lock 
and snap shooting. So you're not really having a hold point. Mm -hmm. Like what sort of things are you having to do to overcome that? And what challenges have you came up with? It's literally all 100% muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Like I, I take notes while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I I started taking notes after like the first month of shooting. I was like, are you hitting your arm? Yeah. You can see how I'm bruised a little bit. And that was part of (laughs) gaining that strength because like with a compound, when you get back to your full draw, it's easy to relax and you can kind of make sure your elbows rolled out of the way and easy Mm -hmm. with the recurve. When you're pulling that full weight and trying to focus on so many different things with getting back to your anchor points and getting the correct draw length, it was, it still is a bit of a struggle for me to keep my left arm, I'm a right-handed shooter, so my left arm's my lead arm. Keeping that consistent? Keeping my lead arm consistent. I've gotten to the point where my draw is consistent, and I'm still just struggling a little bit. Once in a while, I catch my arm because I'm not rolling my elbow out. I'm not keeping that perfect form every time. I've gotten leaps and bounds better, Yeah, your, your grouping is really nice. I, yeah. mean, you're, I mean, you threw six arrows that were all, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't necessarily where you would want to hit, but they were all within a small enough area that if you can just move it, yeah. you're all they're all kill shots. Yeah. So like you're staying like uh, um, consistent yeah. with your shots or accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been definitely something that I've had to pay a lot more attention to with form because we've always said that you can make a lot of mistakes when you're shooting 20 yards with a compound and mm-hmm. still be pretty much driving tacks. Yeah. With that those mistakes are amplified. It's like when you step out to 50, 60, 70 yards with a compound, you start to notice all the little things you do wrong. Yeah, that's why we're such big advocates for shooting way farther than you would ever shoot in the woods. Yeah. Because it it highlights those Your small imperfections. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely something that I have noticed. Even more. Even more now. And obviously the form's totally different Mm -hmm. with that. Uh but I've really noticed that I've had to lock in and pay really, really close attention to it. And like I said, I've been taking notes with like what you said, how I've been really honing in. It's all a feel thing. So when I, I make sure every time that I'm pulling back to my anchor point and focusing on my form more so than putting the arrow where I want it right now. Yeah. I'm starting to focus where I'm putting my arrow now, but at first it was all form. Trying to be consistent with each arrow. So even if it's, you know, five inches to the left, yeah. if all I, your arrows are five inches to the left, it's you're doing the right thing. At least yeah. your form's consistent. Then you can work on your aim points. Exactly. And that's where I'm starting to get to now. My, my draw is consistent. I'm starting to get more consistent in my form, and I can start focusing on putting that arrow where I want it. And I am starting to group pretty well and I'm just honing in on that muscle memory and whenever I put an arrow where I want it it's and it's not really something that I mean I take notes on it I Mm -hmm. write stuff down how I feel where exactly I felt on each shot if I hit my arm or something if my form was a little bit off Um, but it's it's tough to say because like I don't aim at a spot I just look where I want my arrow to be. And then as I draw, I kind of make sure my string is lined up with my arrow. So like my arrow almost disappears with my string. Okay. Uh, 
So that kind of puts you on like your eye is on the string and the strings on the arrow mm -hmm. and then the arrows on the target kind of, yeah. is that basically what Yeah. You're... And then I just, I don't look at specific aim points. Like I don't say, okay, the tip of my arrow is on this spot or okay. this part of my bow is on this spot. I just kind of draw. I know I'm on my anchor point. I know I'm lined up with my string and my arrow and I just sort of have this wide sight picture. I see the whole target and I just feel it that way. And I try to ingrain those things into, even though it's not like a specific thing that I am looking at, when I see it and you, then you know I it. put the arrow in the right spot, I'm like, okay, that was what needs to get ingrained into my mind. I think taking notes is a big thing that is probably overlooked. So you can go back, mm -hmm. you know, if you had a really good day, you've got yeah. all documented how it happened. Yeah. And then, you know, three days later, all of a sudden you're shooting like shit. You can, you know, go back and be like, okay, I was shooting really well this day. What was I doing mm -hmm. differently than today? Yeah. Um, so how far are you shooting now? I know at first you were shooting 10 yards. Um, are you still at 10 or have you? No, I've stepped back. I pretty much just shoot 20. I don't shoot any closer than 20 anymore. I'm going to mm -hmm. just because. You need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I need to know how the bow shoots at different distances. But right now I'm comfortable enough. I backed up to 20 yards and I'm not, you know, missing the target at all or anything. I'm putting pretty good groups on the target. Uh and I'm probably going to stay at 20 for a while. I, your groups look better than a lot of guys I've seen shoot their compound at 20 yards. So, yeah, that's you know, true. You know, I've seen several guys that they break their bow out, you know, in September. Mm -hmm. And yeah. their 20-yard groups are pretty atrocious. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting sometimes. But, yeah, I plan on just staying at 20 for now and continuing to focus on my form and work into the groups and getting – the aim down and trying to hit different spots once I get more and more comfortable. And then once I know I'm really locked in at 20, I'll start, I'll back up to 30 or 20, you know, 25, 30. Yeah, at I'll... that point, you'll start to be able to calculate like how much drop you have. Mm -hmm. So it'll just be a little bit of just aiming a little higher. Yeah, um, exactly. And I do plan on the arrows that I have been using are not going to be my hunting arrows. I bought some cheap arrows to practice with because I was like, I'm probably going to lose an arrow or two doing this, just mm -hmm. learning how to do it. You know, I figured I was going to miss the target a lot, just getting into the feel of things. So I got some cheaper yeah. arrows. Because you, to... I mean, essentially don't have any experience shooting traditional before now. Like I know you've thrown a few arrows, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's so minimal that it's not really. Yeah, I wouldn't you call wouldn't... it experience. Yeah, I've done it in the past You've dabbled yes i've dabbled but i would say i have no experience with gotcha. it until now because i've never been serious about it i've picked up a couple different bows over the years you know since high school until now yeah because in our high school um in gym class i can't remember what year it is mm -hmm. you shoot recurves yeah um and that's pretty much the extent of my experience or dabbling yeah if you will um so like uh, I'm assuming yours is similar to that. I know your yeah. dad's got a recurve that you've flung a few arrows with, but yeah, and that is the extent of mine. That shooting in high school a little bit, and then shooting dad's recurve a little bit. Which his bow is a 70 pound bow. It's way heavier than I should have started with. So yeah, but your dad's sure also anything... a massive man. So. Yeah, exactly. But what I'm getting at is anything that I did shooting his bow, I'm sure was nothing but bad. Yeah, as far as form habits. goes, because I, I was 
I don't want to say I was too weak to pull the bow. I could pull the bow, but I was not effective with it at all. Yeah. Um, it was just not the right setup to start with at all. Um, and the bow that I bought, like I said, is a 50-pound bow. And honestly, if I were recommending it to somebody, I would say start with a 40-pound bow. And why is that? Just just not for hunting necessarily, or no? Is just to get into it. I would say start with a lighter bow, just so you're not working so hard to get that perfect form every time pulling that bow back. Because mm-hmm. your form is so. That's the most paramount thing with that is getting consistent consistently pulling your bow back to the exact same spot in the exact same way every time. And the heavier that bow gets, the harder you have to try to do that. Yeah. So if you're someone that's just getting into it, and honestly, I probably, if I didn't already commit and say it out loud that I'm hunting with it this year, I would say shoot a lighter bow for a year mm-hmm. and like get dialed in, figure out how to do it. Because once you're doing it, I've talked to, like I said, I've talked to other people that have done it. They can kind of jump from bow to bow. Like they'll go from a 30 pound bow to a 60 pound bow to a 40 pound bow. Like they can move around and it doesn't take them much to figure out where their arrows are hitting. Yeah. So it would be something that like early on in the year, you could be using a lighter pound, lighter poundage, Mm -hmm. you know, to get the repetition and build your form up. And then, you know, two months before the season, you can switch up to your hunting setup. Yeah. And then, you know, just, it's a matter of changing your aim point essentially. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everybody that I know and talk to that is a traditional archery hunter, they've, they have several bows. Mm -hmm. Very few people that are really into it have one bow and they're all different poundages and whether or not that's like the reason that they have it. But I definitely see that would be a benefit when you're first getting into it shoot a lighter bow for a while, really get dialed in with that, get your form with that. So you're not struggling with that weight as mm-hmm. a, another obstacle to getting better with it. Yeah. Because like I said, it's hard enough already. You don't want to throw more problems into the mix when you're trying to figure it yeah. out. And I've noticed, I always assumed that like recurves were much cheaper than today's flagship compounds Mm-mm. and they're not at all they are the same price like the only thing that like the benefit is is that you're not buying stabilizers and sites Mm -hmm. and you know stuff like that that really starts adding a lot of you Mm -hmm. know you can easily drop as much as what you spend on your bow on all of your attachments if you like if you like a back bar Mm -hmm. and a stabilizer on the front and a site and like depending on your site you can easily drop another eight to a thousand bucks on all of your attachments and to stuff. To put so, on your $1,200 bow. Yeah. So that's one, I guess, benefit. But I always assumed that like recurves were going to be way cheaper. And, mm-hmm. they're and you really... can get them cheaper. Yeah. Like my bow was a $600 bow. So that's cheaper yeah. than most flagship bows. But it's very easy to spend $1,000, $1,500 on a recurve. Yeah. And I mean, and you went with a Fred Bear, which I feel like is the grandfather of, you know, traditional Mm. archery yeah um so you know it's a quality bow Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of um like custom recurves out there that you Mm -hmm. can you know guys that just make a handful a year Mm -hmm. and they've always just made me nervous just because you don't know i mean obviously if they have a track record yeah you know it's one thing but like fred bear has got a very long history of recurves and 
Um, they just make really nice bows. Yeah. Um, so I know you said that right now you're shooting cheaper arrows. You've been doing a lot of research on what you want to move into for mm-hmm. hunting. So tell me a little bit about what arrows you're looking at and why. I am pretty sure I've settled in. I've looked at a couple other arrows, uh, for different reasons, but I think what I'm settling into are grizzly sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have just a phenomenal track record with penetration and oh they're the videos that they post i mean they're getting full passers on cape buffaloes yeah exactly and a lot of guys that are you know hunting african big game with those arrows and broadheads uh are using traditional equipment they have a a good track record with using that system with traditional archery Uh, equipment the uh the whitetail adrenaline guy Mm -hmm. that jared scheffler yeah he's um, he's a grizzly stick guy yeah um, and I mean, I, his videos are awesome. We've been oh, no just doubt. ripping through the videos at camp. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, he was the first person that I heard talking about grizzly stick. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I started following them and looking at it. It's very impressive. Um, the penetration that they get with those arrows. Yeah. And that whole system is built on a high FOC platform. And uh, I think with shooting such slower speeds, you need that higher FOC, you need that arrow to carry through. Yes. And um, that's what has settled me into that. I've looked at some other arrows that have a good track record with penetration, but I've never like those arrows. I don't see a lot with traditional archery. It's mm-hmm. all people that are shooting, you know, yeah, math over 300 or, feet per second. Yeah, exactly. So me, I'm shooting, you know, probably under 200 feet per second with my bow, you know, somewhere around there. I haven't, spot or put it on a chronograph but uh it's obviously much slower than a compound yeah so i want an arrow that i know and have observed gets great penetration at those speeds at yeah. those speeds and that high foc and they have a lot of weights and it's that whole system is all about weighting that arrow making it heavy having a heavy front of center and it just equals penetration and yeah. that's what's really got me steered in that direction. They're a durable arrow. Uh, I've talked to, I haven't talked to people. I've watched a lot of videos and there's been, I've seen a couple people say that there's some issues with uh, the way that collar system works on them. They can wobble a little bit after you shoot them through a concrete block or something, but you're not aiming at concrete blocks. Exactly. And, and, and my... even if I do send it through a shoulder blade and it starts to wobble a little bit, like, and watching them, like, cause they put them on like an arrow spinner. Yeah. And the one guy was saying how this particular arrow that he was showing on the spinner and he had a close up, and it was just barely wobbling. Like after going through concrete or he shot it through two shoulder blades and, you know, buried it in the ground. And then the one deer that he shot, it went through the far shoulder blade and then buried in a tree and it was wobbling a little bit, but honestly you can get arrows straight from the factory. Like their 0.006 straightness that wobble about that much. Yeah. So if that's all it is, that's, it's going to fail. Yeah. Then I'm not worried about that. In my opinion too, if I kill one animal, with the arrow, it that arrow, job. that arrow has done its job. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not somebody that like 
is going to complain if it wobbles after putting it through a shoulder or buries mm -hmm. into a tree afterwards. Like a lot of times, even if the arrow is perfect, mm -hmm. that arrow just gets put up on the wall anyways. Like that's just yeah. how I, I do it. Um, now last year, just because I wanted to, I shot my buck and my doe with the same arrow. Mm -hmm. Um, but 99% of the time when that arrow, like that arrow is meant for one animal and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I'll, I've done it several times. I've reused arrows and broadheads and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if I shoot one animal with it, I got my money out of that arrow. It did its yeah. job. It, you know, killed an animal. That's why I bought it. Yeah. And people complain. They're like, oh, you know, you spend so much money on these grizzly stick components and whatnot. And then you run it through a couple shoulder blades and it's done. Well, what do you mean you then it's done like yeah it did its job that's all you needed yeah. it to do was kill that animal and you got a couple out of it so why yeah. are you complaining they are expensive i'll you know yeah. i won't deny that but... oh i mean my i spent more on arrows this year than i ever have yeah um just going with the micro diameter mm -hmm. 75 grain outserts and you know like just and those, everything those grizzly sticks are a, a smaller diameter shaft and they're tapered so the taper that's a one of the big things with penetration, um, and the only reason I didn't get a taper is because the ones I was looking at were, um, like had like an aluminum core and they're prone to bending Yeah, and even just in tar yeah. and even just in target shooting. So like I was mm. worried about target shooting and bending them, yeah. which I don't want. Yeah. Um, but which with the grizzly sticks are all carbon. There's not yeah. anything in them that's going to bend so, yeah what's nice about that taper is a lot of them they'll start at like six and taper down to four mm -hmm. so what it does is it's putting a bigger hole at the beginning so you have less less friction as mm -hmm. the arrow passes through yeah um, which is a lot of reason why i went to the four millimeter arrows is because there's just less surface area to touch mm -hmm. um, when it's passing through the animal and i did a lot of testing this year on different arrows and i you take like your standard five millimeter arrow um, I could put an extra 200 grains on a five millimeter arrow and it still couldn't penetrate as much as a four millimeter arrow. Yeah. So that was what made me switch over. So if you take, basically you're taking like the entrance of a bigger, like, so you get the weight of that mm -hmm. bigger arrow, but then it tapers down to that four. It just helps that much more yeah. to, with your penetration. Cause it starts with a bigger hole and then everything else is smaller. Exactly. So yeah, that's most likely the system I'm going to go with and uh, you can, they're really customizable as far as weight goes because they are, that whole system is all about weight and getting penetration. So you can have, you can order arrows from, you know, a 400 grain arrow all the way up to a 1300 grain sure. arrow. And it's all the same shaft. It's just how they weight it and different things. There's a lot of different weight components that you can screw together, put inside of it. So and what I guess what weight are you looking at going with? Do you think? Uh, I'll probably shoot a uh, six hundred grain. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah, because uh, I don't plan on shooting grizzly stick broadheads yet. Uh, I really, really like my annihilators, uh, and I'm gonna stick with them this year. I'm gonna have those broadheads on the grizzly stick arrow, um, and I have a hundred and twenty-five grain broadhead. Mm -hmm. So. If I were to build that same arrow system with the grizzly, so you need like stick. a four hundred seventy-five grain arrow, mm -hmm. and then that one hundred twenty-five grain. Correct. So, 
if I were to build that same arrow and use a grizzly stick broadhead, I would get a 200 grain broadhead and it would get that, uh, so you just overall weight up and that's, mm-hmm. you know, they recommend you use their broadheads, but it, you know, it's, that's a company thing. Yeah. Of uh, course. And I'm sure that it does work better with their system because it, it's pretty well proven that a single bevel two blade broadhead penetrates better than pretty much any broadhead yeah. there is. But I really like the blood trails and the penetration that I get out of the annihilators. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with those. I like how easy they are to sharpen as well. Yeah. Like it's just a, a single bevel is much more difficult if you don't understand sharpening. Yeah. Which, and I don't. Yeah. Um, it's just not my forte. I could learn it. It's just mm-hmm. annihilators. You just run it on a flat stone and yeah. you're good to go. Exactly. It's very simple. They're a great, very durable broadhead. I've shot three deer with one broadhead and it's still razor sharp. It's still you, you haven't even my... touched it up. Mm-mm. Yes. Yeah, no, nice. I, I check it every, you know, the, every, yeah. after every deer I've killed, I've checked it and it still shaves the hair off my arm and it's, yeah, it's all you can ask for. Yeah, exactly. It's as sharp as you need it to be. So I, I love those broadheads are very, very durable. Um, they're so kind of new to the archery scene, you know, in the past probably four years, maybe. Yeah, I think um, the first time I saw them was at the Harrisburg show three or four years ago. Yeah, and they, they caught my eye because, I mean, they're sitting there in their booth just throwing it through a steel car hood. Yeah, and, I over, mean, and over, over and over and over. and over and over. I think they did it like 15 sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculous. And it just kept full pass through, full pass through, full pass through. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a guy on YouTube, I think his name's Lusk. And he's like one of the most um, unbiased broadhead um, reviewers on mm. YouTube. And he was really impressed with the Annihilators and everything. So he pretty much every broadhead that's on the market, that guy has done a full in-depth like half hour video. Mm-hmm. And he's got a very controlled test. You know, he's not sponsored by anybody. Yeah. And he's got he's a- He's just a, putting them to the test, yeah, seeing what he's works. He's got a, a control- so every single broadhead goes through the same exact tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got tests to check sharpness before and after and, you know, different things that, you know, I watched his stuff on the Annihilators and he was very impressed with those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, just, you know, or I guess it's not that it will be interesting. It is interesting to see him compare them with other broadheads and i think mm-hmm. he's done grizzly sticks as well mm-hmm. i think i think they're ashbees or something or samurai they have several different ones they have samurais they have that ashby arrow the ashby one's a 315 grain <sighs> arrow and or arrowhead i should say the broadhead that is massive yeah it's it's i mean that's serious. more of like an african setup yeah but... that's what it, it's built for shooting grizzlies or moose or african big game not so much white tails but they're like the samurais uh they're, they make those in a 125, a 150, and a 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be, like, if I were to ever switch to them, that would be what I would go the with. Samurais. I, I wouldn't go with that Ashby 315 grain arrow. I'd go with a 200 grain Maybe arrow. if you ever decide to take it for a moose. Yeah, maybe. That'd be wild, huh? Yeah, recurve moose kill would be insane. Yeah. I would hope I'm there for that. that would, I would hope you would be too. Yeah. That'd be sweet. So any uh, further comments or anything like as you, you know, the season's going to sneak up on us fast. Oh, it will too. Um, Because this summer is going to be wicked busy and all of a sudden it's going to be October. Yeah. I mean, because we've got in a couple of weeks, we've got Tom's bachelor party and then the wedding Mm -hmm. and then we've got Whitecap Palooza and just 
crazy stuff. We got, you know, building the bar and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, it's going to sneak up on us quick. Um, how many days a week are you shooting right now? Uh, I try to shoot every day. I shot today right when I got out of work. I shot last night. Um, I won't be able to shoot tomorrow, but I try to shoot every day. If, if, if I miss a day, I make sure I shoot the next day. So you're, you're never taking more than a day off. Correct. Basically. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's going to be really important for you. Yeah. And I uh, plan to keep that up all summer long. I don't want to relax on it. Once I start getting more proficient, I don't want to yeah. Start. Once you get proficient, that's when you want to back up to 25. And then if you do it exactly. again, get up to 30. Yeah. Um, what is going to be your effective range? Or I guess what's your goal for effective range while hunting? Uh, I want to be able to shoot something at 25 yards. Which so you're going to want to be practicing out to 30, 35, I would imagine. Yes. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And that's about where I'm at with a compound as well. You know, I, I'd shoot 30 yards with a compound, but I wouldn't go farther than that just mm. because... There's so much that can happen. Um, I've taken shots farther and it's worked. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also seen plenty of guys, you know, for me, I prefer my shots inside 20. I do too. And there's a lot of guys. I I like 15 to 18. That's like my wheelhouse. I try to set up so that my shots are 15 yards. I don't like them to get much closer than that because then it starts getting steep and tricky. Yeah. But that 15 to 20 yards, that is such a perfect distance. Yeah. The last three deer I've killed with my bow, and that was the last three deer I've shot at too, Mm -hmm. um, have been inside 15. Yeah. Um, And it's close, obviously, but I practice for those shots. Yeah. And it's just that's what i'm comfortable with you know i've i've my furthest shot i've taken is 35 and i killed that deer as well Mm -hmm. but conditions have to be absolutely perfect um you know it's just there's so much that can go wrong with a whitetail when you go out to 30 35 yards Mm -hmm. you know i I know guys that'll shoot further than that and if they're comfortable you know more power to them but i just most of my setups anymore my furthest shots, 20, 25 anyway, you know, so, um, I still practice, you know, I like to throw arrows at a hundred yards just Mm -hmm. because it makes 20 so much quicker or closer. Yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. And I plan on, I would like to get so that I can shoot at 40 yards, Mm -hmm. you know, whether or not that happens, who, you know, I'm sure eventually I'll get there. Yeah. Um, but I want to practice at 40 yards eventually this summer and, start to dial in i would never shoot that far with a recurve yeah um, it's just too slow yeah they're like all the shit that can go wrong with a compound make it even more because the arrow's going almost half the speed not yeah. quite half but is is the bow quieter than a compound like what's the no, it's pretty... i didn't know if there's like any benefit that way that like hey you know i know you're shooting a lot slower but at least it's quieter no it's not. about the same and uh I'm going to put like some beaver fur on my string to dampen the sound a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it's not that much quieter. And how long I would does say your it's about the same shooting every day like that? How long does that string last? Uh, I really couldn't tell you. I haven't really asked anybody about how long their strings last or how often you should change them. I haven't noticed the least bit of wear on mine. Okay. Like even like, you know, like when you knock your arrows all the time, you get yeah. a smooth spot on your string right there. Mm-hmm. You can see how like the it's strands of your string kind of gloss over a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because of the wax and everything. I haven't noticed that at all. And no it's fraying still, or anything. No, yeah. It well, still, you know what I mean? Like not like yeah. fraying, but like 
you know, as you shoot more and yeah. more, it seems like you get these little mm-hmm. like hairs off the side of your, you know, you just wax them and stuff, but yeah, but no, I, I haven't noticed the least bit of wear in it. And I've been shooting very consistently for the last two months, more so like every day, the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't noticed a bit. That's a good thing I should look into though, how often you should. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be throwing a new string on a week before season. No, you know, you know, if, if you, if you do have to change it, you want to give it a little bit of time to break it in and mm-hmm. yeah, figure it out. But yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that it's an every year thing. Yeah. I, I, given I the amount that I've shot and haven't and noticed anything. There's not nearly as much energy going through yeah. that string than there is a compound. And I change my compound string like every other year. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was the same. I, it was like every other year ish. Sometimes I know my Matthews LX, I ran that string way longer than I should have. Um, that was one of them things where it was like, I forgot about it. And then it was all of a sudden it's like mid September. And I'm like, this thing's shit. about to come apart. I'm like, shit. <laughs> like, I know, that's how my, my first hunting bow, uh, was a Martin leopard. And I got it when I was 12, the first year I could bow hunt. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I changed the string on that till I was 17. <sighs> like it, it yeah. was way overdue. <laughs> yeah. I remember because I got my Matthews LX was used from my dad and my dad, you know, it wasn't a fresh string when he got it. And I remember first time I got into a tree stand by myself with a compound, um, it was still pitch black. And, you know, at that point I, we had a, we have a ladder stand that we bolted to the back of the barn to give us that feel, you know, Mm -hmm. as it gets closer to the season, I practice up in the air. Yeah. Um, but this, that hunt, you know, October 1st or whatever it was sometime opening day, it was the first time I was in the timber hunting by myself. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, just draw back and see what it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. just make sure that, you know, like my elbow is not going to hit a tree, you know, all just, mm-hmm. I think I, every setup I make, I always draw my bow back. Same here. Every um, time, the first thing I do when I get set up, I draw in every spot that I think I can, am going to draw on a deer. And then I move between those draws Yeah. to make sure I have clear spots to move my bow, move my elbow. Yeah. Cause I mean, especially with the way we hunt or a lot of times, you know, there's certain trees where I'll hunt one time a year. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you, you, I just, once I get up, some of them, I'm in ridiculously tight spots yeah. that, you know, I, I, there's some trees I've been in or it's like, you know, this is not ideal, but like, and I have one window to shoot. So I'll make sure that I can get drawn back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I went to draw back. I got like three quarters of the way and my D loop just snapped <laughs> and I just sent my broadhead flying. Um, nice. I did find that arrow, uh, later after my morning hunt. Cause I mean, I had a couple arrows, but, yeah. um, I panicked a little bit because, you know, I, my D loop just broke, Yeah. but I remembered when I was young, like when I first started shooting, um, I didn't have a D loop on my bow. I would just put my, um, release, release just below the mm-hmm. arrow. Um, so what I ended up doing is I, at the time I used to carry, a, uh, um, judo tip. Mm-hmm. which I found out later you're not supposed to do. So I don't do it anymore, but at the time, so I, once I had to knock underneath, I took that judo tip and I picked, um, there was like a, a mushroom mm-hmm. that like, it was like, well, I don't know what kind of mushroom it was, but one of them ones that like grows off the side of a tree. Yeah. And it was at like 20, 25, somewhere in there. And I just took that judo tip and flung one from the bottom just to make sure that, okay, it's this not is not going to throw off. How yeah. Your arrow flies. And I, and I, I crushed the mushroom. So I was like, okay, we're still okay. Yeah. Um, can still hunt. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, you know, reminded me big time, you know, come 
you know, August, July, you need to really be Check checking your equipment. your equipment. If you don't think you're going to make it through the season by in August, mm-hmm. change it now. Yeah. Do not try, you know, every bow shop hates the guy that comes in mid-September and needs it yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, by like around end of July, I'm usually really inspecting my equipment, making sure, yes, this is going to make it through the season. Yeah. Know. No so. doubt. Very, very important. I don't have to worry about breaking a D loop though. No, no, you don't. All fingers. Good deal. Well, thanks for giving us an update on your uh, your venture into traditional archery. This is it's mm-hmm. going to be a fun year. I look forward to seeing how you do. And yeah, I've, I I'm going to say that I'm not going to miss anything this year. But I oh, I've talked to pretty much everybody that I've talked to. They I feel like you're going to be a even lot of more missing. excited oh, with a, no with, a re, with a recurve in your hand than you would a compound. Yeah, I, I mean it's the same thing when you go from like a rifle to a compound. Mm-hmm. I get way more jacked up yeah. when I get a, a buck in there with like in bow range mm-hmm. versus you know like last year i killed a buck at like five yards with my bow mm-hmm. and then i killed a buck in rifle at like a hundred yards and i was ex- i was excited after the fact yeah but i didn't nearly get the jitters that i did leading up to the shot yeah um with the rifle like i it was basically sitting there in my tree stand saw the deer i thought it was a doe at first just because my mm-hmm. eyes are not what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And and it was because I, I I saw a doe go over there and about 10 minutes later, I saw a deer come out and I, th- I was like, oh, there's that doe. Mm-hmm. And it worked about like 15 yards. And I was like, man, that is way bigger than the doe. <laughs> so I, I checked it with the scope and I was like, oh shit, that's a, that's a, a buck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I didn't get nearly as excited. So I, I think you're going to find the same jump yeah. from a compound to a recurve mm-hmm. as most people would find from a rifle to a compound. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm really, really excited for it. I've I've been thinking a lot about like scenarios and like how I think I visualizing set is important. And, yeah, it is very important. It's just like taking notes and stuff and yeah. getting in the mindset every time. Oh, and... every setup I put in, you know, during hunting season, while I'm waiting, you know, like sitting there hunting and stuff, I am visualizing mm-hmm. a buck coming from here, how he's going to work through, you yeah. know, and just constantly the entire time I sit in the tree stand, that's how I pass time is just visualize a buck coming from this way, a Mm -hmm. buck coming from this way. What's going to happen if he does this, you know, what's going to happen if he does this. Um, And I plan on doing a lot of that situational stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I plan on going and getting into a couple of the spots I plan to hunt because I plan on doing some ground hunting again this year, like I did last year. And I have yet to shoot that bow like sitting on the ground or kneeling or anything like that just yeah. because I'm still trying it, to figure it out. It's and, different. I noticed, mm-hmm. you know, this year, cause I was supposed to be turkey hunting with a bow, um, until my sight broke, but I noticed a little bit of a difference, you know, shooting from my knees mm-hmm. than standing up or sitting down. Cause like I, I, most of the time I shoot sitting down, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm archery hunting, just because I'm more comfortable sitting than standing. I move a lot less. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do shoot standing up when I have to, but I, the most likely course that I think the buck's going to take, I usually put that on my left side mm-hmm. and set up for just a sitting shot. Cause I, I've been burned, I think twice, not having my bow in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then during archery season, my bow is in my lap 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not put it in a hanger or anything unless I'm taking a pee. Yeah. Um, like that bow, if I'm sitting, it's on my lap. If I'm standing, it's, I'm usually facing the tree and it's like, I'm my hands on the bow and it's just mm-hmm. sitting on the seat. Yeah. Um, I just, it is, it, it I work way too hard to, to have a buck in range and not be able to 
throw an arrow. Like yeah. I, it just, nothing fires me up more than having a bow or a buck in range and I can't get an arrow off. Yeah. Uh, it just chaps my ass. It just, mm-hmm. so I, I try to eliminate any possibility of that happening by just holding my bow hundred percent of the time. Yeah. But I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate you, like I said, giving the update here. Yeah. No um, hopefully we can get Tom on next week. I think Tom is looking at possibly a trip to the Adirondacks for some late turkey season this year. Nice. Um, so if that's the case, if the weather allows, Tom's going to be doing that. So hopefully we can talk about that. Um, but turkey season's, you know, it's crunch time. So if you guys haven't gotten your bird, make sure you guys are all still getting outside. 